Today, we launch a multi-part series addressing intimate partner violence in LGBTQIA relationships, often overlooked, discarded, and underreported. Experiences of physical violence and other forms of abuse experienced by partners in same-sex, bisexual, or transgender relationships occur at higher rates than those reported in many heterosexual relationships. Learning from these survivors is key to addressing their unique situations and ensuring their long-term health and safety. We'll interview experts and survivors about these experiences throughout the month of June, or Pride Month as it's known, with guest host Ron Corning. I'm Maria McMullen, and this is Genesis, the podcast. launch our series, we're joined by Jan Langbein, CEO of Genesis Women's Shelter and Support, Jordan Lawson, Senior Director of Residential Services at Genesis, and X, Co-Director of House of Rebirth. Jan, Jordan, X, welcome to the podcast. Thank and you very much. Thank you all for having me here as a guest host. I really appreciate it. Maria, we want to get started by talking about a rising tide of violence against trans women, and specifically trans women of color. X is joining us as Maria had introduced her, co-director of House of Rebirth. X, thank you for being here. We really appreciate you being part of this conversation. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. My name is X. My pronouns are they and them. And I am co-director of House of Rebirth, where we serve uh, a Black trans population. And we're expanding to serve all um, BIPOC trans folks in, in, in Dallas, Texas. So this is an exciting time. I think it's important for people to understand some background that in Dallas, because this will have an audience that's far reaching in North Texas, there were acts of violence or have been uh, acts of violence that have drawn particular attention, including the murders of two um, trans women of color um, some years back. And that was, was that not the, play on words here, the genesis of uh, House of Rebirth? It was. There was, um, so there's been an epidemic of violence against trans women and particularly Black trans women in the state of Texas for at least the last two to three, four years. When Malaysia Booker and Mercy Mack were murdered um, in Dallas, Texas, and in the same zip code in Dallas, Texas, within maybe a month or two of each other, um, House of Rebirth, uh, we started to kind of just have some community meetings. We wanted to find out what, and this is before we were a house of rebirth, right? But we just wanted to figure out what was going on. So we met with area, with folks in the area who were both allies and also folks who were within the trans community just to figure out what's going on. And the major concern that folks had was one, um, access to housing and resources, and two, which is hopefully the reason for this phone call is more resources that are accessible to trans populations um, who are experiencing heightened violence, domestic violence, interpersonal violence, as well as experience violence from um, police at times when they're trying to get help. And so all that, issues, that is, all, yeah, issues X that we're, that we are going to cover in this series of podcasts because it is so complex and it does involve, you know, a village, a community of people who have a, 
the same understanding of, of what we're facing. Jan Langbein of Genesis is here to have this conversation along with X because you two share in common a passion for helping other women who are facing violence. And Jan, I'm curious to know from, from your point of view and where you're at, at what point did it become apparent to Genesis that trans women were also among those women who were being targeted in violent ways and in many cases um, living in the shadows, flying under the radar, underreported, which is something we'll talk about as well. When did it first um, arrive on your radar, would you say? Well, I think, uh, Ron, that it always has been on our radar. I've been down at Genesis for 31, going on 32 years, and uh, I, I knew, I knew at the beginning that um, domestic violence cuts through, intimate partner violence cuts through all relationships, all populations, all neighborhoods. I have to say, our mission statement says we provide services uh, to women and children, women and children, women regardless of the gender of their abuser, but uh, not to men. And then somewhere along the way, I hope maybe five to 10 years into it, um, I realized that, you know, you can't go by the birth sign on your driver's license. You have to uh, see how people identify. And, and we understand that people who identify as women uh, are eligible for our services. Did you know that, X? Because I know you and I had talked about it, and you shared a level of frustration that, um, for, for lack of a, a better term or framing, the straight community hadn't fully acknowledged or wasn't fully aware of rising up to meet you where you're at with, with the needs that the community has. Is it, is it more hopeful to, to know that Genesis is offering a continuum of care for anybody who identifies as a woman? Well, I think that that's a start and I am happy to know that. I think that making it more publicly available in terms of like the the, the um, media or different things that are available to community to know that they can receive some type of access to care there is important. And I also wanted to name that myself, like I'm a non-binary person. I don't identify as male or female, right? Mm -hmm. But there are also trans men who are assigned female at birth and are experiencing intimate partner violence at in, at, at heightened levels as well. And so I think that um, what I hope for, and, and this is, you know, based it within the work that I do around trans inclusion is that I think that it helps to create a more holistic access to resources when we start to look at things from that point of, okay, what does this look like in terms of access for trans people? Because it then opens up what access looks like for people who are both within and outside of that, um, outside of those categories. You know, um, I think, X, that we've done a, a good job internally. I think we have not done a good job externally. You know, with regards to what you're talking about with trans men, um, trans men would not be appropriate for Genesis, but we would absolutely refer to the family place who has a shelter for men, again, regardless of the gender of their abuser. We want to be better at, at what we do. I mean, that's, that sounds like, like a real commitment to the future and moving forward. But there are complexities to this that manifest themselves in real-life scenarios that become very difficult. And I want to just address some of those if we can. Jordan Lawson is the Senior Director of Residential Services at Genesis, and she's been working with people in abusive relationships for 10 years. And I'm, I'm curious to know, Jordan, logistically, if you take, for example, a, a trans woman in an environment that is otherwise heterosexual women, there's a possibility that that trans woman will be met with someone who carries a bias, a misunderstanding. 
or even, sadly, a hatred toward um, trans women. How, how do you deal with that in a, in a residential living environment, like logistically? Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, you are right. That is possible. And so we have had trans women within our residential program. And one of the things that we make sure to do is to try to be as inclusive as we can with our language. To X's point, a lot of our language has revolved around using the term women or she or her. And so we've tried to really move to more inclusive terms of persons or they or them. Um, we also try to be really uh, individualistic in how we're providing those services. So we try to meet this person where they're at. We really want to get to know them and who they are and what their needs are. Um, and then really ask them what they would prefer. What would you prefer that we call you? What would you prefer that we use pronouns wise? What would you prefer? Um, your, what are your needs clothing wise? What are your needs uh, products wise? What are your needs here? And just really try to individualize how we're serving this person based on what they're saying to us their needs are. Invariably though, X, and I know you face this on a regular basis, again, with the complexities of gender identity, as you said, someone who's non-binary, for example, um, or a trans man leaves them with few places to go. That's just a matter of fact as we sit here today. How do you confront that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, and and I'm, I want to name that, um, I've known about Genesis for a long time. I've, I've I'm a person who's experienced domestic violence. I used to run um, an organization or really it was more of like a community group of um, black and brown women who were experiencing domestic violence and looking for, you know, ways to deal with it because of some of the both cultural, you know, pieces to it, but also um, some of the things that we're talking about right now. And, and I think that it, it's complex, but it's really not that complex. And the reason why I say this is because I think that um, we have the capacity to create space, but there's also, there's no way that we're going to create it and everybody is going to be like, okay, perfect. You know, change right. creates um, discomfort sometimes. Change creates these, these conversations where we have to figure out, okay, what does it look like for a trans man who's you know, assigned female at birth, right? And might experience violence being in an all male shelter um, for that reason in and of itself. What does it look like for us to be able to create those types of resources um, and working together to do it? You know, House of Rebirth is small. We are not a million dollar funded organization, but the calls that we get from organizations across North Texas who are like, well, we don't have anything for this person or we don't have a program that fits for this or perhaps that program that is attempting to be that hasn't quite gotten to the cultural competency part of it. And so it's just not quite as comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I aim to do is to be able to help to share some information and hopefully, you know, share opportunities to kind of create more robust services um, for folks who are outside of these gender binaries and people who are within them, I think benefit from that as well. Jordan, well, you know? And I so appreciate you saying that, X. One of the things that I'd like to call out is that the domestic violence movement for a long time has kind of used language of um, all women are capable of being a victim or all, you know, in order to not necessarily show that one group is more violent than others as an abuser, but also to kind of try to break through this idea of one type of woman or one type of person is likely to be victimized. The movement kind of tried to 
use this language of all zip codes, all people, all women, all SES levels, all education levels, and kind of unintentionally, but still literally what happened was we were not giving space to the individual specific considerations Mm -hmm. per different groups. Well, it's interesting you say that because the numbers bear it out that there are some people who are more susceptible to violence as it relates to transgender victims. This struck me. Transgender victims are more likely to experience intimate partner violence, IPV, in public compared to those who do not identify as transgender. X, is that, that's not a revelation for you, right? No, I think that when we're talking about the intersections of violence and how they occur, that they're going to be compounded the further you are into those intersections. So if I'm a cis black woman, right, I might experience heightened violence. But if I'm a cis or if I'm a trans black woman, then those are even heightened because the mm-hmm. the um, resources available to me are less. And so people feel less afraid to harm me. People feel less like they're going to get any type of retribution for it. The person who assaulted and he assaulted Malaysia Booker along with a group of people. There was only one person charged, and he later went on to murder a black cis woman. And so I think that what the 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 message there is, and, and it's something that Angela Davis says, but you know, she's like, if you come for me in the morning, they'll come for you at night. And I think that there's some idea that there's a separation between the type of violence that happens to cis women and the type of violence that happens to trans women. And it's true. There are some differences, but I think that there's a lot that, is in common um, that doesn't really get spoken about. And because of that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that violence doesn't get to be solved. Jan, you've, you've, have you seen and experienced in recent years more of um, an inquiry from women who are trans? You know, um, I don't know that I could say that I have. Jordan was saying earlier, uh, we don't just say, you know, what's his name? We don't just assume the abuser's a guy. We don't assume that. But if somebody calls and says, you know, I'm a woman and I'm being assaulted and I need help, we do it. It's interesting you say that because the minute someone makes what might be an innocent assumption, it puts up a wall Absolutely. where that it, person says, yeah. oh, they're assuming that yeah. I'm in a heterosexual Loudly relationship. And so clearly, so yes. this isn't my place. Correct. I shouldn't be calling this place. Interesting. I, I found it interesting is that that's even the case with um, applicants for employment. Um, I have an employee that is very, very qualified. Uh, she is married. Her wife, uh, they've been married for maybe a year or so now, but she said she was afraid to come there, like maybe she wouldn't be safe there. And I asked her point blank was, tell me, because I do want to understand, where along the way did it not feel good to you? She goes, absolutely, it was never Genesis. It was just what I come with Mm. uh, and my experience um, in my world uh, that she thought she could not be accepted at Genesis. Well, this speaks to another issue, X, that I want to bring, bring you in on as well, and that is... We, we know from the gay experience that living in the closet limited the ability for gay men and gay women to speak out about issues and problems and crises that the community was experiencing. You just look to the AIDS crisis as an example of that. The ability for trans women to step forward if they're in a violent relationship is really predicated on feeling more openly accepted in the world in which we live in a broader sense. And yet at every turn, whether it's legislation in this state or violence against people of color like we saw in Buffalo. We're coming off of that weekend Mm. shooting as we're taping this episode. And and I want to bring that into this conversation because, X, I'm wondering, as you work in a broader sense 
to bring people around to understand um, and, and love members of the transgender community as their own, they're getting messages from the likes of a white supremacist who blows up and, and shoots up a grocery store and kills innocent people. And legislation that seems to speak to the other, if you're not white and male, you're somehow part of an organ, you're marginalized to the point where you can justify violence. How do you deal with all of that as you're trying to make progress? I mean, it's heavy, you know, I know. I don't but know. I haven't, I have not figured out the answer to dealing with white supremacy in the United States. Um, but I do think that the messages that um, we share maybe we don't always recognize what they say to a person, but for instance, in the media, in terms of like advertising a service, if I don't see myself represented, I assume that it's not for me. And because I've been turned away from place upon place, I might go to a homeless shelter and they say, well, you're a trans woman. Well, you need to be with wherever the men are. I can just imagine if I go to a women's shelter that doesn't show that I'm present within the demographics of folks that they serve, that I might experience the same. And then I also think that there's a cultural competency aspect to it all, which is understanding how domestic violence looks different in communities of color and some of the nuances that occur in terms of being able to even get to the point where someone feels like I am being abused. Um, and I think that that's something that I would love for us to be able to work on together, you know, and to figure out some some solutions to that together, because it it's real, right? Like to even know that you're in an abusive relationship when your relationship with the outside world in and of itself is mm -hmm. an abusive one. And that's something that I, myself as a black person, I feel this way, but I think that that is even more deeply ingrained when you're experiencing um, discrimination, both in your workplace, just walking outside. If you know all of the basic things that a human being needs, mm -hmm. um, I think that it, 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 adds to the barriers to being able to get assistance. And there you go. It adds that that's the that's the point that I was leading us to is that I mean, right, what happened when you hear the rhetoric and you see the actions of those who are out to marginalize even more someone they perceive to be different, how are how are we going to make headway in, in these really key important ways that involves someone stepping out of the yeah. shadows. Yeah, I think it starts with conversations like this. And X, I was so glad to hear you say, you know, let's work together on this. Genesis is wide open to being, uh, to being able to do that. Um, I think there's so many people who just sort of wring their hands and say, well, that's a shame and that's a shame. And gosh, uh, you all ought to do something about it. Well, I think it's an obligation of all of us to do something about it. And I think with this podcast is a demonstration of having conversations like this. But you're a thought leader in this space, and, and maybe it's by the nature of your tenure, the time you've spent, the initiatives you've put out there. And I appreciate that when I asked you where you were in this whole thing, right, with this, with this, with this issue of rising violence among tra against transgender women, you stepped forward. X, I hope that this conversation has led to a partnership between the two of you. And the other takeaway for me is, Jan, you, you know... You need to put yourself out there and say what, as you say, and we're, we're guilty of that in the communications industry. We communicate outward. We don't communicate a lot amongst ourselves right. in the industry. It's interesting, right? right. And in your case, you're so hyper-focused on the services you provide, you take for granted that people just know it exists. Exactly. And, yeah. and that we might not, uh, to X's point, I can't see myself there, then I'm assuming 
it doesn't mean me too. And it turns out that our strategic plans has included outreach to marginalized communities. And the largest one in need that we saw um, in the last plan was uh, African-American community. We have, as a result, like you say, I see it, I figure out what the roadblocks are, and then we try to do something about it. We've recently opened an office, a non-residential office, um, in the zip code 75216 that has the most incidence of domestic violence and the least number of resources down there. So uh, little by little, we can take a piece of the underserved and the marginalized, and we'll continue to do it as long as we're doing it. And X will continue to do valuable work as well at House of Rebirth. Yes, I I hope to be able to do the same. I would love to know more about that new space that you guys have created and, um, and figure out how we can, you know, do something a bit more together. Yeah, Genesis is meant to be a safe place for women, period. And what that looks like is what that looks like. So that space down at Lancaster and Ledbetter, um, we want to create a safe place, uh, particularly for women of color. If you or someone you know is in an abusive relationship, you can get help or give help at genesisshelter.org or by calling or texting our 24-7 crisis hotline team at 214-946-HELP, 214-946-4357. Data and statistics referred to in this series come from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Genesis Women's Shelter and Support is grateful to our partners for the podcast series on intimate partner violence in LGBTQIA relationships, including media host Ron Corning, On Air Media, the Conference on Crimes Against Women, House of Rebirth, and the countless number of courageous survivors of intimate partner violence who contribute to the education, safety, and healing of all people by sharing their stories and experiences. Thank you for being you.